0: Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Luke Holloway, editor of the journal. In this episode, I was speaking to Graham Duffy and Matthew Connell. This week in the UK is Carers Week. So here on the podcast, we're discussing the changing costs of care, caring for others, and how it is impacting consumers and clients. I'm joined by Graham Duffy, care specialist at Just, and Dr. Matthew Connell, Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the Chartered Insurance Institute and Personal Finance Society. Here's my conversation with Graham and Matt. Hello, Graham, and hello, Matt, and thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Hello, hello. Hi. A real pleasure to have you both with us. So um, yeah, thanks for, for coming to speak to us today. So, so Matt, if we could start with you, um, Carers Week is taking place uh, in the UK this June. Could you give us a bit of background as to the current care rules and guidance and, and how any government reforms that are taking place currently uh, affect the care situation in, in the UK?
1: Yeah so so last year the government set out some 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 really important proposals i think there's an enormous amount of things has happened uh, since then so it's it's easy to, to to forget so maybe it'd be useful just to uh, remind ourselves and um, the big issue with care is that uh, Andrew Dilnot wrote wrote a report on this several years ago now and 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 his basic point was that that care is one of the few risks that people face in the uk that is is potentially uh, ruinous it's almost however much you you save for for care um the costs of care are so great um that somebody who you know in an unusual position but but not a completely unknown position of 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 needing care for 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 many years could see um their entire assets uh, wiped out at the moment the amount but of assets that you have got to have got down to um, before the government uh, helps out uh, is is very low, just over twenty three thousand pounds. So so help for, for people with care costs is is really limited to to people who have uh, almost exhausted all their. All their assets, you know how much they've they've tried to save and how hard they've worked to, to 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 pay off a mortgage uh, and things like that. And Dilnot said that you know that the government should really be there to help people avoid ruinous costs, not not to to pay for everything for them, but to step in when the costs got above a certain amount. And so in 2021, the, the government proposed that from October 2023, there'll be a new 86,000 pound cap on the amount anyone in England will need to spend on their their personal Care over over their lifetime, uh, and what the government also said is that they, the the figure at which the government will start to step in and help with care costs on a uh, on a means tested basis is going to rise to to one hundred thousand um, pounds. So so basically setting a limit on the amount of money that that people spend on care over their lifetime, and also increasing the amount of government support for people who are as they as they come towards the, the lower end of their. Uh, of their assets, but I think, as 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 Graham will know and, and probably want to 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 point out and add add to to what I have said, uh, that that there are um a lot of caveats to that and and lots of um, specific elements about what what the cap applies to and what the cap uh, doesn't apply to. Uh, Graham, I don't know if you want to chime in on any of that. Yeah.
2: I think um I think you're, simply, yeah, you're right about Dilnot it's basically what's happened is a resurrection of the Dilnot proposals 10 years ago 10 or 11 years ago now I think that came out and you you're absolutely right in saying about the idea of this cap is to stop ruinous catastrophic costs as it's sometimes described which Dilnot in 10 years ago said was anything over 100,000 pounds and um hence we come back to that that new increased capital limit but, but when you look at the £86,000 cap, what you'll note is that they do refer to it as in, in respect to personal care costs. So there's a, there's a couple of caveats to the whole thing that, that actually don't prevent people from in, incurring catastrophic care costs, even though it's described as a cap. So the, the first thing to understand is that, first of all, there's a, there's an eligibility criteria that has to be met before, if you like, your meter is running for the care cap. And that eligibility criteria is already laid out. That came out in the CARE Act 2014. And it's it set at quite a high level, if you like, sort of two or three ADL failures. So it's described as quite a high level before you meet the criteria. So they've got to do that first. They've got to assess you to make sure you meet the criteria. Then what? The, I'll cover the daily living costs in a second. But the next thing is that they then say, what would the local authority pay for your care if they were having to fund it? And it's geared to that rather than what the full private rate is. And I don't know if you're aware, but there is a massive cross subsidy in the care profession industry in the private payers. And this has been recognised by the government because that's also part of the reforms. There's a big cross subsidy in that the private payers pay a lot more. And in some cases, it's hundreds of pounds a week more than what the local authority would pay for your care in that area. So it's geared to that local authority rate what they would pay which say let's say the average on that is about 700 pounds a week across england so that's what you're looking at so then they also say but off that 700 a week what we're going to do is we're going to take off 200 pounds a week which is what we deem to be the daily living cost so if you're in a care home they take off 200 pounds to we used to call it hotel accommodation cost but it it, is now called daily living cost to equalize it between domiciliary care and residential care so they then. So that's what. It, so what you're looking at there is the personal care amount. But therefore, on that £700 a week example, would my understanding is it would be deemed to be two, uh, £500 a week going towards your cap. Okay, so you take the £200 off the £700, that will leave you with uh, £500 a week going towards your cap. So 86000 divided by £500 a week, whatever that you know, whatever that is, and how many weeks or years or whatever. So you are probably looking at approaching four years in actual fact for the average kind of case and the other thing remember is that they said that they won't pay for you to be in a more expensive home than the council would pay for so therefore we call that in just we call it the self-funded excess so it's the amount over and above there they're saying that's not going to count towards the cap and if you look at should we say more affluent people that end up in care homes they could be paying and lang and buson who are the organization provide a lot of the data on this. They call them premium homes, and they say the premium home figure is about £1,100 a week. So that amount over and above the £700, i.e. the extra £400, also doesn't go towards the cap. So you have to pay that yourself, both pre- and post-cap. So I've got lots of figures and spreadsheets and slides and everything on all this stuff that would show you that you don't necessarily stop catastrophic costs because you've got that ongoing self-funded cost of the daily living costs and the self-under excess. The other thing that you mentioned was that capital limits. And you mentioned the 23,250 and going up to 100,000 next October. Yeah, so the 100,000. But what you didn't say is that there is a lower limit. You're probably aware of it. But you know the 23,250, there's actually at the moment a lower level of 14,250. And what they do is they charge you a bit of money between that until you get down right down to 14,250. And they charge it at the rate of one pound per week for each 250 pounds of capital. So that's taken off out of that capital. When they increase the limit, yes, it's going to 100,000, which sounds fantastic, but there will be a lower level of 20,000 and tariff income will still apply at the rate of one pound per week for each 250, which means at 100,000, they will be taking 320 pounds a week off you in tariff income, plus they take all your other income and they leave you with what they call the personal expense allowance, which has just gone up in April to £25.65 p a week. So that's really what you'll be left with. I mean, I've just, this is sort of high level at the moment. Some of the fine detail has not actually kind of come out yet. I think it's still under discussion because we've got quite a way to go. And I don't know if you're aware, but there's a few pilots that are lined up to go on uh, Cheshire East, Blackpool, Wolverhampton, Yorkshire. So the, the, the local authorities are going to do some pilots to see how all this is going to work out. Because the other thing is, it's incredibly complicated. Even, even for, you know, I work obviously with financial advisors that are qualified to advise on care, and they're like bamboozled by the whole thing. So it's, it's going to be a bit of a, it will be interesting to see how it all pans out. So that's that's the kind of detail of the figures that you've out, you know, the, the proposals that you've outlined.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly, you know, a huge, as you say, there's a huge amount to, to understand and unpick with certain eligibility and, and certain limits and, and caps. Graham, how can financial planners kind of make sure that their clients understand their options? Obviously, different clients are at different stages. They'll have different amounts saved. Um, for someone approaching the need for care, perhaps an older client, I mean, will this be a bit of a shock and could be quite a negative uh, impact for them? Or how can how can you help kind of clients understand this and what it will mean to them?
2: Well. I suppose the first issue on that is nobody seems to like to talk about it, and it is an incredibly difficult issue to to raise earlier in somebody's life. And, well, I've actually, you know, uh, where I live, you know, there's quite a lot of elderly people. The average age is probably something like 75. And even some of those older people, to get them to talk about long-term care, they just don't want to know, you know, provided they're sort of fit and healthy. So, unfortunately, that's why you end up with this point-of-need situation where, it's like a crisis management for families to deal with. Nobody wants to talk about it. No one wants to think about it. And therefore it ends up being suddenly there's a fall or a stroke or something happens and then suddenly care is needed. So if I think client advisors that have already got, you know, their existing client bank, just try and gently raise the subject with them. You know, what's going to happen about care? Now they may initially get rejected on that and say, oh, especially now, they might say, well, there's a cap on that, we don't need to worry about it. So it's being able to explain, actually, that cap might be there, but you've got to look at the detail and that could get a conversation going. And bearing in mind that, you know, the average age of the product that we have, the immediate care annuity is um average age for that of the actual client is about 85, but virtually, well, I would say 100% of uh, cases that come through are dealt with through powers of attorney, which are sons and daughters usually, are perhaps in their 50s or 60s. So th- th- those advisors may have clients that, you know, the older person may not be their client, but the power of attorney could be their client. So it's, it's again, gently raising that subject, you know, have, asking them, have you got parents that are getting elderly? Are they already in care? Are they having care now? How's it being funded, et cetera? But it, it, I must admit, it is, it is an incredibly difficult area to start talking about, so it is a difficult one. And one of the other issues I find in this area, that, that there are a lot of people that go into care that have never had a financial advisor, and even their family haven't got one. So how do, you, how do you reach those people? You know, just have done a lot of, um, you know, uh, research into what people think. And a lot of people just think, well, uh, don't the NHS pay for it? No, they don't. They might do in certain very exceptional circumstances. But that's the, that's the kind of people, that's what people think until it happens to them. And then suddenly mum or dad's in hospital, say they've had a fall or a stroke, they're then discharged into a care home and they're told, you've now got to pay £1,200 a week or something for this care. And it's, what? Why? What is this? It's crazy. So it's just that real shock to the system. And then it's, you know, families, unfortunately, can, can be a bit like headless chickens running around. What do we do? What do we do? And ironically, it's advisors that have got the qualification, you know, the, the CFA or equivalent, you know, they're the ones that have, have got probably the broadest spread of knowledge that can really help and make a difference to people. So it's a bit frustrating that advisors are not more involved in in the whole process, really. But, yeah, it's just trying to gently touch on that subject is, is I think, what, what needs to happen.
0: Uh, and Matt, would you agree with Graham then, obviously, that some of the part of the challenge is starting that conversation. Um, how would you say financial planners or insurance professionals can, can make sure customers begin to understand or think about these their options in terms of care?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think... Um, you know, a huge amount of work's been done on this by by Age UK in the past, um, and, and we've done some of our own research on it. And one thing that comes through really powerfully, is, as as Graham says, people feel intimidated by by kind of big long term ideas like financial planning. They feel probably more comfortable with the idea of just being resilient and, and taking it on the chin, and and just sort of um, making marginal kind of um, changes to their to their to their lifestyle um, without without thinking of with anything with anything big but of course as, as graham said that can mean that people sort of suck it suck it up and 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 take it on the chin and, and modify their life and, and their life sort of shrinks more and more and, and then you have a, a health issue like like a stroke that, that completely turns everything on its head. Again, you know, I think one one big message from 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 Age UK and 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 how how we think about these things is 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 maybe thinking about living and and living the best we can and the most independently we can um, for as for as long as possible. That's maybe a more a positive way of framing it that, that perhaps people respond to more. So so again, it's it's about gently sort of raising things. Maybe people, you know, it's quite common now for people to have had parents who have have needed care or or to know people who have needed care and again maybe that that kind of that kind of conversation uh, about looking at someone else's experience and then just just asking in in positive terms what what would you like you know what what kind of um what kind of environment would 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 you want to live in if if you were in a in a similar experience again you know kind of what what we've talked uh, when we talk to people who have have survived strokes what what they often say is what they'd really like to, to have planned for is is things very basic things like um as graham was saying that the power of attorney and someone there to take on important things in their lives know where the passwords were and be able to, to to deal with the bank and all the other basic elements of, of life admin. so maybe encourage people gently to to get those conversations going again if, if somebody has an experience of, of ill health maybe that's a, a way of gently asking people um how they how, how they'd like to things to, to, to work and, and how things might work if uh if something happened in, to their family. And then I guess a, bit, a big element as well is 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 often as AGK said people people are very stoical and and they often say, well don't worry about what happens to me, just just abandon me. Don't you you live your lives and 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 maybe and, and sometimes people what people respond to is is people saying uh you know children and, and and other people who'd be in a caring situation saying well actually it'd be easier for me It'll be less stressful for me if we've if we've got a plan and, and you can help me, because I do do love you and care for you, you can help me sort of be able to plan my life by by us having these these conversations and that altruism <laughs> sometimes can can help people start the conversation
0: excellent um and graham what what kind of um, impact are you seeing on on customers at just for instance i mean we've had the pandemic which has you know been seen a massive shift in the way people maybe see their mortality you know or life expectancy maybe more people have been thinking about it have you seen are we moving in a positive direction on in terms of people thinking about care or obviously is there still work to do.
2: Uh, I think there's still work to do, definitely, and we're we just we, every year going back quite a few years, about ten years now. We've been doing what we call a, a care report, and that is a survey of consumer research about people's understanding of it all and all that sort of stuff, and who they would speak to. and, and There's another one of those due to come out um in a, in a couple of months' time. Um, as far as just a concern, we are very much in what you describe, I suppose, as the decumulation space, i.e., retirement through retirement with you know lifetime mortgages and equity release etc um and then care we have the have the product for care as well so on on the care side it's still we haven't really seen much movement to be honest with you in terms of the number of requests we get to quote um that hasn't really increased that much over many years but we do see a massive potential there's a big gap between those that would appear to be going into care homes and having care in their own home that are self-funding it paying for it themselves as opposed to those that, you know, come to us to get a quote to, to you know, cap the cost, which is what our product, you know, it's, a, it's an annuity contract that, um, like a super enhanced annuity, if you like. So uh, it's it's a difficult one in terms of reaching people, I think. It's the lack of awareness. And coming back to what I said just now around perhaps a lot of those people, they don't have a financial advisor and they're completely unaware. I, I was doing a session yesterday where there was a, a care homeowner on on the, the um, session we were all involved in. And he actually raised the subject asked ask the ask question about, the, he thought these, he said the care annuities are oh, a brilliant contract, why aren't more of them sold? And I said, well, that's a very good question. So uh, it would be good if there's this awareness in the statutory guidance to the CARE Act, there is reference to account, local authorities and councils trying to encourage people to, you know, they're meant to direct them to help get information and advice, including regulated and qualified financial advice. But... I'm not sure how how well that works, to be honest with you. So um, just trying to get people to think about it it, it is difficult, um, you know, to to approach that, really. It's just a difficult area. But, you know, we're hoping that um, we're looking at different product options as well. So looking at different ways that we can get people to think about it more by way of, you know, uh, uh, different tweaks to products and different style of products and things like that. So that's the kind of ideas we're looking at.
0: We touched on earlier about that the, there are f- further reforms that the government are bringing in. Um, 2023 was mentioned and, and the pilot schemes, Graham, that you mentioned. I mean, Graham, are you, are you concerned that these, you know, do you think, are you, are you confident about these reforms that they'll help the situation or is there still a chance that this may maybe make it more complicated for, for clients and the public or leave them, you know, in greater need of care or or, or shorter on, you know, their options?
2: I think you're happy with what you said is the complication. I think we've already got actually quite a complicated care system because we have a divide between healthcare, which is NHS free at the point of need, and social care, which is what the majority of older people need. They just need help doing things every day. They're old and frail. So it's it's help with activities of daily living. Simplicity is what I would like like to see. And I don't think what they propose is, it just makes it more complicated to my mind. It is incredibly complicated. And, you know, when I'm, if you talk to, Actuaries and people like that who say it's complicated, what, what chance have the public got in terms of trying to understand it? You know, it, it is it is. Um, I just don't think it's going to help. And the, having said that, I kind of see it in terms of financial services and, and potentially for different insurance options. I see it's a bit of a, an opportunity to say, look, we can actually really help here. You know, we can make a difference The financial advisors that are qualified in this area. have got a good broad spread of knowledge, not just about investments and insurance products. It's about the whole care system. You, you'll be aware of the, you know, how the qualification works. So that that could be an opportunity to say, look, we can make a difference. We can have we can we can help these people achieve better outcomes, et cetera. In, in just our knowledge of how the system works, and it, it might just be a reference to, um, you know, Matt touched on people like Age UK, it, th- those kind of charities, and that they, they they provide a lot of help. Not you know, not necessarily on that on that financial side, but just generally, people don't seem to use them perhaps as much as they should be. So that that kind of thing could make a difference. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can. Uh, you know, you see it as an opportunity rather than the complications. Where people will, they will definitely need that help and advice. That, that you know, to help them understand how it's all going to work. The trouble with the headline is eighty-six thousand pound cap on care. If you've got a reasonable amount of assets, you'll think, well, that's great. Eighty-six, I can tuck that away, and I don't have to worry about it. But it's not. It's just not as simple and straightforward as that.
0: And Matt, you obviously do a great deal of work around financial resilience and and later life planning. Um, I mean, are you, are you concerned with the current? Care situation in the UK.
1: Yeah, I think it is. It, it, it is a difficult one, as, as Graham said. It's it's it is a complicated system, and and the, and the way in which care has been funded has tended to be, like we say, from from uh, local authorities, kind of drilling down the cost of care as uh, as much as possible, and and care homes. Business model relying on, as, as Graham said, the cross subsidy from um, from, from from self funders. So it, it does feel like quite a precarious system with with all these sort of cross subsidies and and, and hidden costs. Uh, and also, you know, kind of looking forward, um, you know, you'd expect the the, the rate of inflation for, for for care costs to rise probably faster than the, the the rate of inflation generally, because so much care costs are, are, are based on uh, employment costs, and, and and as we know. You know, can, can can come up to employment shortages uh, very very easily as, as as we've seen in the last uh, year or so. So, I think there are a lot of a lot of factors that make even uh, organisations as uh, kind of with as much resources as, as national governments um, kind of it is quite eye-watering the kind of the kind of commitments that that, that people have to make and you know it, it does seem inevitable that a lot of the wealth that the individuals have built up in housing and and in, in pensions and, and investments you know some of that is is going to be called upon to to pay for care and and as graham says what we really don't want is a situation where people are Led into a belief that that kind of all their assets are safe and, and and they can be bequeathed, only to find out you know kind of when it's too late that the the, the system sort of um, takes away a bit here, takes away a bit there, and then uh, a lot less is 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 left. It'd be much better a situation if it was if it was clearer. How much people people have to have to contribute if they if they want to leave a uh, leave an inheritance and then and then be able to have that conversation with with their family about you know what they want to protect and how they're going to go about it through through excellent products like the care annuities and then I guess you know kind of again you know with that simplicity I think one one other thing is as Graham mentioned that care homes have an excellent position to to have that conversation about funding at the outset but again um, often care homes feel that they're they're kind of not-for-profits, They're, they don't really want to talk about money, um, they don't want to get into commercial arrangements. So having a, a safe way of, of introducing that conversation at the time uh, at the outset would be um, would, would be really important as well.
0: And Graham, you, you touched on earlier some of the some of the resources that you, you have on Offer Adjust. I mean, um, would you like to highlight some of those, you know, some of the guidance that you're giving advisors on how to how to approach care about some of the, the reforms that are happening and how to, to speak to their clients about it?
2: Yeah, I have a whole series of, um, we, we call them care academies in actual fact. And we do the, the kind of same for all of the later life space, if you want to describe it as that. And I, I do the care bit. And, and it's really just taking them through the whole thing, what the market's all about, then going through the care system, NHS local authority, how all of that works, uh, how the assessments are done, both care needs, and then looking at the financial assessments, what's disregarded, because sometimes, you know, the property, if there's somebody, a spouse or partner is still living it, it's one example, it must be disregarded. Investment bonds, you know, the good old investment bonds are still, the, the, the capital value of those bonds is, is still disregarded. Um, and then looking at issues like deliberate deprivation, uh, all of that, I run through all of that with them over you know not in one go because there's quite a lot to get through but then we also look at different things like you know the ways to pay what are the ways you can fund your care i.e you know if you want to use the property there is the government's deferred payment arrangement as they call it so they'll fund your care but they have a charge on your property get that money back it's like it's like equity release i suppose but it's a it's a very cheap interest rate can can you rent the property out can you rent it out and generate the income you need by renting Uh, And then equity release, that's a market that's evolving as well. Where if you get your property, you know, because you can do buy to let equity release, if you get it set up as a buy to let, you can release money that will help you fund your care. But for most families, the property basically is it is sold. And then it's either you're going to pay as you go and, and you take that longevity risk. And many people unfortunately just stick the money in the bank and hope that it's going to last. Or you do the insurance option, which is the, well, I don't call it insurance, but it's the immediate care annuity. You know, which you do have to use some capital. But so it's not the sort of product that's going to, it's not a universal panacea that's going to sort out everyone's problems. But if there, if there's that real lack of awareness, which I think there is, because so many people, so many other things I do out Outside of, you know, the one yesterday I mentioned with the Careham guy, Um, he said that people just don't know about it. They think that it's a bit like that life insurance. You know, if if you think of it as life insurance, people think, well, if you're old and ill and infirm, there's nothing you can do. But of course, with an annuity, it's the exact opposite. And you'll get a good rate of return, you know, on that money. And it's tax, you know, it's tax efficient as well.
0: Excellent. And, and, and Matt, um, could you tell us about some of the guidance that the Chartered Insurance Institute and Personal Finance Society is producing to support members and help them advise clients and customers?
1: Yeah, so so obviously the PFS does a a huge amount of, of of CPD on later life with with experts like um, Graham in, in, involved in that, and so those those technical elements. Um, what we've also done is, is is we've tried to think about what kind of advice we can give to the to the public more widely on 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 later life, and, and we did some in depth research, sort of interviews with people, and and um, what what came out from from that is very often um, it is the sort of the fundamental issues even before you get to, to finances even if people don't have money to set aside uh, for, for care in later life there are things that they can can be doing. people often find it people don't often talk to their family about about these issues but when they do uh, they, they, they do say that it, it, it really helps and it's it's things like you know who, who would who would look after your affairs and um, if, if you can do it if what what who would you want to to what are the things that, that you'd want someone else to do for you if you can do them? and and who do you trust to 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 do those and and having those 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 conversations i think a lot a lot of the time caring within when families tends to be um somebody helps somebody as they uh, as they go into later life with with health issues and and sort of driving them to the to the doctor or buying um filling with prescriptions for them and things like that and it's often that family member who then just by osmosis, starts starts managing the 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 money side and, and things like that, and so those kind of conversations, I think, perhaps between siblings with with elderly parents, sort of about you know, kind of if if one person's sort of taking on all the. All, 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 the issue, all the issues, um, maybe sharing it out between the, the the different siblings. Some of them, some of them doing the the, the financial uh, management and, and and as much of the financial planning as as possible. Whereas a uh, you know kind of another one does the the healthcare issues and just just increasing the amount of talking and conversations that go on about the kind of day-to-day issues on, on later life. Uh, and then that can gradually, you know, as so you, you kind of go through the more formal stuff like setting up a power of attorney, can then gradually move into the kind of issues that, that Graham was talking about, sort of thinking about the, the, the bigger financial picture.
0: Absolutely. And, and any final thoughts? So obviously we've touched on, you know, some of the concerns and, and the complications and, and it can seem like a, you know, a, a bit of an, an anonymous subject at some points, but Brian, there are lots of positives that there is guidance available. And, you know, there is a lot of good work and resources around for advisors and what are your, your final thoughts on what you could, what you hope, you know, to see about how people start to, to plan their later life care?
2: Well, I'm, I'm hoping that um, again, going back to the the old Bill knock proposal ten years ago, part of what they were going to do then was um, there was going to be a big awareness campaign, and part of that campaign would have been that sort of you know regulated advice part of it because of the you know the financial implications of the whole thing. Now. I'm not sure whether that's going to happen. You know, it, I think it is. But I, the way I see it, I'm a bit cynical about this. And um, I just see that the, the government have got to be, I suppose, a bit careful, because if they've said there's this cap and then they almost have to say, but it's not really a proper cap, it, it might make them look a bit silly, wouldn't it? So uh, and the trouble is, all these things get a bit political, don't they? So um, but it would be great if. Financial services could be, you know, more, more, you know, uh, more robustly involved, if you like, in this whole thing. Um, I, I think whether we like it or not, there might be that element of mistrust. But we got, you know, we got the consumer duties coming up and all that sort of stuff, haven't we, coming up soon? So um, maybe we can sort of link that in with what's going on in, you know, raising awareness of later life issues and care and all those sorts of things. But awareness, to me, is the thing of saying, look you know, the financial services and financial advisors that are qualified can can really help. There is some information on things like Money Helper, you know, it used to be Money Advice Service, there's some information on there about advice and about, funny, you know, about different ways that you can fund your care, some of which we just chatted, just chatted about. Older people's charities like Independent Age, they've got their own booklet on different ways that you can fund care. And, you know, part of that is the product we have. I think Age UK have got some good information with their fact sheets and all that sort of stuff. They've got some great stuff on there. I mean, I use their fact sheets myself. because I I like them because they're nice. If you try and read any of that statutory guidance, it's like, you know, oh, God, what, what does that actually mean? Because if you read an Age UK fact sheet, it's like, oh, that's what it means. So they seem to be able to put it in nice, plain English, and I can understand that. So so I, I always recommend that people go and read those documents, and, I'm, and I literally do use them myself to help me to sometimes. If I think, can't get my head around something, oh, that'll help. And it usually does. So, um, so awareness, I think is, is really what it's all about. And we'll, we'll carry on, you know, doing what we're doing in terms of trying to encourage more advisors to, to get qualified. You know, many advisors come to me and say, you know, my clients are, have got an aging client bank, you know, I need to understand how this is going to work. I've got to be able to help them. Well, you've got to get qualified then, haven't you? So, so all of that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, there's, there's some, there's some real positives, but just got to try and, you know, take, you know, make the most of those, uh, that, that
1: situation really. And I think I think that element of the the education I was involved in some of the discussions between Association of British Insurers and uh, and Department of Health at, at that time, and I, I think the Department of Health what they had in mind was a was a big take out loads of long term care insurance, and then and then that will that will solve it. Um, but 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 actually, what what people need, as as Graham's absolutely right in saying, is it's the advice. It's the campaign has got to be to go and get advice to 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 look at to look at what's out there, look at the resources, um, information. From from place like AUK and Independent Age, that that's what the, the campaign has to be about: is getting people talking and getting people informed and, and advised, um, rather than just just piling them into one particular product or another.
2: Yeah,
0: definitely. Excellent. Well, we'll certainly signpost that information that we've spoken about today, the resources available through through Just and through the Personal Finance Society and the CII as well. So it's an incredibly interesting subject, a very important one. And and just a huge thanks to you, Graham and, and Matt, for joining us today and uh, and giving us um, that, that info and your take on it. So thanks for speaking to us on the podcast.
2: Okay, thank you. Thanks.
0: Cheers. And thank you for listening. You can find out more by visiting the journal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at CII Group. So until next time, thank you for joining us and goodbye.